just let me just let me say something real quick. Hadaba, da da, and everyone's just like, "Oh my god, how dare you have an opinion?" Yeah. What the fuck, dude? I, I mean, that's that's women's history in a nutshell. <laughs> how dare you have an opinion? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fast Pass, the history podcast in close to 30 minutes or less. As always, I'm Megan. Uh, I'm Jason. So I know I mostly do serious topics on the podcast, but I, but that's because I have my own mission statement for myself that I want to follow. I am a white woman, and I do want to use my privilege to discuss topics that aren't discussed for any number of reasons. I want to be a voice for those whose voice is constantly silenced, which sounds dark, but what I mean is that people who don't listen to those people or just tell them to shut up. What I love about our podcast is how, even on some deeper topics, Jason and I can joke about the sheer idiocy and stupidity of the time. I love this podcast, and although I try to stay unbiased as possible, sometimes I do forget myself, so I apologize for that, but just know that for most of the time, the information is unbiased, but I always have my own views on the situation based on the fact. Yeah, it's always good to have your own opinion based on things. It's like, if you don't have an opinion on something, are you just like a robot? Exactly. Like, imagine if we did, like, an unbiased podcast on, like, Rasputin and be like, Rasputin liked to fuck horses. He would also steal horses. Probably to fuck them. No, can't even say that. Ah, probably. Opinionated. There you go. Gotta go. So, you know, sometimes you gotta have a little bit of opinion. It makes things interesting. Yeah. So, today I want to touch on a topic that was hidden from my education and or brushed aside. So, I remember hearing about this in my college-level 1960s class, but very briefly. Then I started watching this show on Hulu called Miss America. You should totally watch it. And I was like, wow, I need to research this for myself. So women's history is something we have talked about here on the podcast, but only so much. That's because there's only so much of women in history, as we've mentioned before. Now, one of the most shocking things about watching Miss America is realizing just how little is taught about women's history at all. Usually it's lumped in with the Woodstock or the counterculture movement. And I know some people don't like hearing about women's history because there's some negative connotations to feminism and the women's fight for equality. Let's start off by defining feminism because throughout the women's fight for equality, this word is thrown around as something of a dirty word. Merriam-Webster defines it as, quote, the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. Right. Feminism means equality. It doesn't mean that we're trying to be better than men or have more rights than men. It literally means equality to men in all senses yeah and if people we, get that uh twisted sometimes they do i mean when i learned about it in my 1960s class she was like let's learn about feminism and all the men groaned and she was like okay what do you think feminism is and he was like women want to be better than men and she's like no feminism literally means equality so i don't know where you're getting that source from but this is why we're doing this now yeah people get it twisted way too often they gotta fucking learn this shit for real i know but it here on fast pass we're gonna teach them hell yeah <laughs> my school did not So if we look at history, it's pretty clear that women have never been equal to men. In ancient Athens, women weren't considered citizens, but the boys they gave birth to were considered citizens, and therefore they had all the perks afforded to them with that title, but the women who birthed them never did. In the Renaissance, and I know that's a jump, but we would be here all day if I didn't jump around, women were married off to men for the highest price. Only a very few got educated and and fought tooth and nail every step of the way for that right. Women have always been defined by their ability to have children because obviously that's something men cannot do. But instead of seeing it as a strength that you can literally grow a human inside you, push it out, and recover to do it over again, it was viewed as a detriment. Now in the 1700s, women couldn't own land unless they were a widow. They couldn't own money unless they were a widow. 
And this was pretty strictly Western thinking. I know it was different in parts of Africa, Latin America, and Asia, but Western thinking pretty much followed the same basic thing. Women were not equal to men. We talked briefly about the women's battle for the 19th Amendment, their right to vote, and how hard it was of a fight. In the 1960s, women took it one step further, a bill that would legally make them the same in the eyes of the government, meaning they would get paid the same and they would have the same opportunities afforded to them. Now, this amendment was actually never passed and put into law, which is why there is still a pay gap, among other things, between men and women. The first idea of an equal rights amendment actually came about in 1923 by Alice Paul in the Seneca Falls Convention. When she introduced the Equal Rights Amendment, she said, quote, If we keep on this way, they will be celebrating the 150th anniversary of the 1848 convention without much being much further advanced in equal rights than we are. If we had not concentrated on the federal amendment, we should be working today for suffrage. We shall not be safe until the principle of equal rights is written into the framework of our government. It was at the 75th anniversary of the first Seneca Falls Convention of 1848 that she made this statement and introduced the first version of the Equal Rights Amendment, or ERA, that stated, quote, Men and women shall have equal rights throughout the United States and every place subject to its jurisdiction. End quote. In 1923, the same year as the convention, it was introduced to Congress. Yeah, so the bill was introduced in the 1920s, but it didn't get real movement until the 1960s. Mm. So 20 years later, 1940, not much progress was made, although it was gaining support from both the Democrats and Republicans. And fun fact, the Republicans were actually the first one to back this bill. Alice Paul decided to rewrite the bill in 1943 and rename it the, quote, Alice Paul Amendment, which... A little, uh... A little, little conceited. I guess if you um, live through the night of terror, you get to have an ego. To each their own. <laughs> to each their own. Um, this version stated, quote, Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex, meaning it was not only federal government, but it was in state government. Mm. The 1960s showed the second wave of the women's rights movement. With it came women like Betty Friedan, who wrote The Feminine Mystique in 1963. This book was, well, it shattered what people thought of housewives at the time and really shined a light on gender equality. It discussed several ways that women were still oppressed by society. It has scholarly research. It had firsthand accounts of housewives who said they were taught that raising children and homemaking was their sole purpose in life. Sad. That's really just a sad statement. Women in the book also said the, the education system and psychology made women bad and neurotic when they sought fulfillment in other ways. It was women speaking out and having a voice for the first time, but anonymously. Brady Friedan gave them that voice. And while this book got a lot of backlash, and I mean a lot, like they called Betty Friedan a hysteric. Mm. I mean, it was still revolutionary and a perspective that was unheard of at the time. And I would argue one that needed to be heard. And while some women really respected and felt the same way as the women that were interviewed in the book, a lot of women also felt the opposite. Many women were offended by her suggestion that they were not fulfilled by their family and housewife lifestyles, which isn't necessarily what Friedan was saying. It's not that she went out and said all women feel this way, just that there are women that do feel this way. It was a huge push forward for the feminist movement. Friedan was also very active in the mission of the ERA and led a strike on the 50th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. She also co-founded the National Organization for Women and several others that fought for women's rights. Another prominent figure of the 60s and a believer in the ERA was Gloria Steinem. 
She was a writer and activist who founded The Miss Magazine, a liberal publication that was dedicated to promoting the cause and raising awareness of feminist issues. Then we have a true feminist hero, Shirley Chisholm. She was the first African-American woman in Congress. She was also the first woman of color to run for the office of the president in 1972. That same year, the ERA passed through the Senate and House of Representatives. In Congress, she introduced more than 50 pieces of legislation, fought to end the war in Vietnam, advocated for the poor, fought for racial and gender equality, and was the first black woman to serve on the House Rules Committee. Her fight for the presidency obviously faced obstacles. I mean, she wasn't even allowed to partake in televised presidential debates. But she did take legal action against that and was able to make one singular speech on, on TV. Still, she was backed by a growing number of people and entered 12 primaries, gaining 152 delegates, which may seem like a little amount, but that's actually 10% of the total number. Dang. Right? Yeah. And though she did not win the nomination, she fought for the rights of women, the rights of women of color, who did not get much attention for the rest of her life. Of her legacy, Chisholm said, I want to be remembered as a woman who dared to be a catalyst for change. Nice. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, imagine... She was a woman of color at the time when neither was very looked on with happiness, you know, mm -hmm. and she still went and did it. Inspiration. Now, I know it like it sucks that we're still here fighting for equality, but really these women are just incredible. I mean, they fought so that we can continue. They fought so that we had the opportunity to choose and they faced such opposition at every term. Shirley Chisholm was a piece of history that I only got a taste of, but she's a complete inspiration, so I had to mention her here. Back to the ERA. In 1972, it was sent to states for ratification to become the 27th Amendment, and was done for every amendment since Prohibition. There was a seven-year deadline placed on ratification. Now, this is when they started to face opposition from the other side of the women's movement. The women that did not feel that they were unequal to men, and that were happy and fulfilled with their lives. One of the biggest challengers for this group of women was Phyllis Schlafly, who was the leader of the Eagle Forum and Stop ERA. Schlafly said, quote, What I am defending is the real rights of women. A woman should have the right to be at home as a wife and a mother. Now, it should be mentioned here that the ERA did not strip women of their rights to be a wife and mother. It didn't say that women couldn't be housewives. It was created in order to give women a chance to do that or not. It begged for the same opportunities that men had to choose a career and have the same opportunities to succeed in that career and in their own personal lives. Her opposition opened up some issues within the ERA, including the loose wording. It was going to have to be interpreted by courts and Phyllis and her large following were concerned about topics like abortion, same-sex marriage, and women being drafted into war. She also felt that the pay and gender discrimination had already been solved. <laughs> Her strategy to defeat the ERA was simply to convince women that equality was essentially undesirable. Brandy Faulkner, an assistant professor at Virginia Tech, says, quote, She consistently painted worst-case scenarios, which, when juxtaposed with the lives of average white women at the time, led many of them to believe that inequality wasn't so bad after all. She was a biological determinist who thought that the Physiological differences between men and women should be the primary determiner in their roles. She advocated for what she thought was a privileged position for women in society. End quote. Now, both sides thought they were right. Of course, that's what makes opposition, which led to the fight of their lives over the ERA. Now, without the opposition from Schlafly, Schlafly, wow, that's a name, the bill would have been passed with no problem at all. But 
Schlafly organized a group of women from the southern and western states that did not usually congregate or get involved in politics. But it was not just Phyllis Schlafly who opposed the ERA. States' rights advocates said the ERA was a federal power grab. The insurance industry opposed it because they thought that it would cost them money. And religious groups opposed it as well. At this point, we're nearing the end of the 70s and the end of the seven-year rule. 35 states had ratified the amendment. Some states began postponing consideration of the bill. Illinois, Schlafly's home state, changed the rule to a three-fifths majority to ratify the amendment, which made their simple majority of the bill pretty much useless. In 1979, pro-ERA groups like the League of Women Voters organized the march of 100,000 women on Washington in order to get an extension, which they did. It was extended to 1982. When Reagan was elected in 1980, the Republican Party removed their support of the amendment. Which I think is just really interesting because, like I said before, they were the first ones to show support for this amendment. Mm. Just putting that out there. Now, despite their best efforts, the ERA did not pass. It was three states shy of getting the necessary 38 states to ratify. But that doesn't mean the fight on either side is dead. The ERA has been reintroduced in Congress before every single session since 1982. And in March of 2017, Nevada became the 36th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. Talk about years later, geez. I know, that's like, what, 30, 40 years later? And it's three years ago. Oh my god. Now, Illinois followed in 2018, becoming the 37th of 38 states to ratify. Then, recently, on January 27, 2020, oh yeah, recently, recently. Recently, recently. <laughs> Virginia became the 38th state to ratify. With this passing vote, the ERA reached the minimum amount of states that needed to ratify it. Now, all that's left is for Congress to remove the original deadline and bring the bill into law. Now, when will this happen? Or, or will it happen? We don't know. The fight for equality for women has been hard fought and always faced constant opposition, even from those who are in its best interest to pass. Now, why has there been such an emergence recently? As recent as five months ago recent. It is in part because of the resurgence of women's activism in the form of women's marches on Washington and the Me Too movement, but also because of a record number of women have been elected into Congress in 2018. It has sparked a renewed interest in gender inequality. When Nevada ratified the bill, State Senator Pat Spearman said, quote, This is the right thing to do. It's the right time to do it. So we just ought to do it. We just, we just ought to do it. We just ought to do it. Yeah, why didn't you do that in 1960, though? Different time. <sighs> Pat Spearman wasn't alive back then. Maybe. 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 I don't know. I don't know how old he is. But I don't think he was a senator back then. Definitely not a senator back then. Illinois State's Representative Stephen Anderson said, quote, This is our generation's chance to correct a long-standing wrong, end quote. But the question remains, how would it change from when it was written in the 40s to today? Jennifer Weiss-Wolf said the ERA would empower Congress to, quote, enforce gender equality through legislation and more generally the creation of a social framework to formally acknowledge systemic biases that permeate and often limit women's daily experiences, end quote. She said it would create consistency. There is hope that it could rectify issues of menstrual equality. For now, it remains up in the air. And the rest is history. Goddamn, this is all of five months ago leading up to today. I know, and all the way in 1923, like, literally, if we don't ratify before 1923, I mean, 2023, it'll be a hundred years. Of trying to get one amendment passed. It's so interesting how, like, I think one of the hardest fought 
battles has always been like um, minority rights and like women's rights. Mm -hmm. Isn't it just so interesting in a awful way? Sad, disappointing way? Yup. Like a you should know this by now kind of way? Like how is it 2020 and you still think that I don't deserve the same rights as you? Not you saying you, Jason, think that I deserve less rights. Well, like... The... <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying. I understand. <laughs> so if you want to request future episodes from us, you can email us at fastpasspodcast at gmail.com. Or you could check out the Twitter page at fastpass1. You could shoot us a DM. We will give you the information. We'll give you the uh, the sources or just like let us know what you want to listen to next, because we got some shit to work on, y'all. We do, we do, and I have hella sources. And just so you know, you can cite us in scholarly articles and scholarly papers, because I do have scholarly sources to back up my stuff. She's also a published author. I'm also a published author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And until next time, y'all. Bye bye. -bye.